Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. Nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Kunal, so we're fresh from the Red Bull Ring in Austria and I just have to start by speaking about Red Bull Racing. The RB13 to be specific. You know they say number 13 is unlucky for some. I think it is very 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 unlucky for Max Verstappen. <laughs> He's had 5 out of the 7 past races uh, ending in DNFs. and they've all been car related issues or bad luck you know accidents yes and in those very races daniel ricciardo the ever smiling daniel ricciardo has scored four actually five podiums that includes a win an unexpected win that too and this is probably why max verstappen and his team is a little bit more hurt than they should be and uh, if anything he is going to come out stronger from this run of bad luck Yes, I mean the fans love him. He's wooed them completely on track. I think it's now time for him to woo Lady Luck again because he's of <laughs> yeah, course he had, had a he's Lady of course Lucky had a season he, last year. He's of course had a lot of luck even yeah. getting into Formula One at that age because after he got in, the FIA suddenly rose the bar and the age for a driver to get a super license. So he needs to woo his Lady Luck again. And uh, the Red Bull Ring was actually a sea of orange. and i've grown up to actually seeing a sea of red in formula 1 for all the ferrari love that people have and yeah i mean i'm sure mclaren were thinking that oh the sea of orange is for us but guys i'm sorry the sea of orange was for max verstappen and not for mclaren <laughs> <laughs> so there have been very very strong rumors about max verstappen moving to ferrari in 2018 but christian horner has in fact turned around and said that Max Verstappen will be a Red Bull driver till 2019. I'm already thinking about Max Verstappen and Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari as teammates. That is like a phenomenal lethal awesome combination. <laughs> <laughs> so we've said this before and I will say it again. So Toro Rosso is Red Bull Racing's feeder team and soon it's going to be Red Bull Racing as Ferrari's feeder team. <laughs> <laughs> so on the day after Austria Christian Horner went ahead and he confirmed signs in Kvyat for 2018. Basically, 3 out of 4 Red Bull drivers have been hastily confirmed without an official press release. <laughs> It's very odd, you know, more so from a team like Red Bull that just loves the paraphernalia around the racing. <laughs> and so much for all the Carlos Sainz, Helmut Marko and Christian Horner spat because frankly when I read those comments I thought Carlos Sainz uh, was dropping a hint that maybe he's signed somewhere else. So signs signing somewhere else <laughs> if that's what I could play on but um, so Helmut Marko I I would think twice before 
getting into a spat with a guy whose name is Helmut. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, he reminded Sainz publicly and told him not to harm the hand that feeds him because uh, that's what Red Bull Racing has done for him, he said. They paid for his Formula BMW, GP2, F2 and all the other junior races and series he drove in. And I think I'm going to take that a step further, which of course Marco did not speak about. So Red Bull Racing does have the hand that feeds their drivers. But that very hand can slap their drivers, as we've seen in the past as well. Or demote their drivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's on Carlos Sainz's mind too. Anyway, Red Bull Racing, the problem of plenty as far as their driver pipeline goes. It's going to be interesting how they deal with this issue. And it's going to be interesting to see how Carlos Sainz deals with this issue. Let's remember he has a world rally championship of a dad who, of course, has extremely high ambitions and aspirations for him. And somewhere I, I wonder, and I remember reading about this, Max will step into Ferrari rumors. Could they come from Carlos Sainz's camp? And if that's true, it's just strange and funny at the same time. Yeah, that's hilarious. But Kunal, one thing is for sure, the driver's silly season this year is going to be bloody unpredictable and I think really interesting compared to all the other years that we've seen lately. Because suddenly so many drivers are available. And it'll actually be a bit like the race in Baku this year, you know. Anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the entire Red Bull Racing equation, the only driver that seems genuinely happy is Ricciardo. He did his pre-race interview in Austria where he said he wanted to win five F1 races and retire. So, yeah, he's retiring. <laughs> what a cool guy he is. <laughs> yes, five podiums, which includes a win and... I can't remember if we actually had five shooey moments on the podium as well. Maybe we should ask uh, a certain Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, the shoeys are no longer fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ricciardo has scored more points uh, in the last seven races than any other driver. So, he is bound to be very, very happy and it shows in his persona. And in Austria, like Karun Chandok pointed out, it was a perfectly normal and dry race and Ricciardo finished six seconds off the winning car. So this is after finishing some minute and something something off at the start of the season. So obviously Red Bull Racing is making good progress. Yes, but they have actually written off the 2017 championship campaign. They're saying they'll enjoy it, but they know they cannot win it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> and so much so for Ricciardo because he's gone and claimed after Austria that he is in contention for the World Drivers' Championship too. <laughs> he's on a real high, huh, Kunal? Yes, Mr. Ricciardo, that's a little too far-fetched. Because I also think what's far-fetched is everyone saying that Valtteri Bottas is possibly in the running for the Drivers' Championship as well. I mean, what are people thinking? <laughs> I think this is just to mess with Lewis Hamilton's head. <laughs> <laughs> but the strange thing is a lot of these Valtteri Bottas for the Drivers' Championship came from British media. So, I don't know why they would go and mess with Lewis's head just before the British Grand Prix. <laughs> I have no idea. But honestly, before we go there, I'm going to offer a round of applause to Valtteri Bottas, his second victory. Both his victories have actually come with Vettel snapping at his gearbox, literally. <laughs> so let's clap for Valtteri. Bora's uh, finally strung, or I wouldn't say finally, he strung a perfect weekend together. This included a superhuman start uh, on the Sunday. And of course, he had Paul on the Saturday as well. 
I cannot get over his superhuman start. <laughs> I've been playing, you know, these reflexes game that check your reflex and see how fast you can start. And I've been trying to match Valtteri and it's damn difficult <laughs> without being in a car. <laughs> anyway, Bottas drove a calm and composed race to victory and he did really well to hold off Vettel. So basically, he's 15 points behind Lewis Hamilton and 35 points behind Vettel. If Vettel gets into trouble and Bottas wins that race, well, Kunal, you never know what could happen. <laughs> That's an interesting scenario that most people might not have thought of. But Drivers' Championship or not, I think Valtteri Bottas has done enough to deserve a contract extension, at least for a year. So we know he's not two wins to Hamilton's three this year. And like Graham of talking about F1 tweeted, if Bottas had not had his DNF in Spain, and let's remember he's the only Mercedes driver to have had a DNF this season yet, Bottas would have been on equal points to Lewis Hamilton in the Drivers' Championship. Yes, and for Hamilton, so he's had car and team issues for the second race in a row. So obviously his loose headrest in Baku. And in Austria, he had brake issues and then a gearbox change. So tough times. It might feel strange for him to actually be the faster driver in the fastest car on the grid and not be leading the Drivers' Championship. Let's remember he trails Vettel by 20 points. So, Mercedes tried hard to make Hamilton's strategy work in Austria. This is after he started P8, thanks to that gearbox penalty. But the reverse of what they planned happened. The Pirelli tyres actually got faster as they wore down. And that's what we call as negative degradation. And uh, this is an area that I would, you know, urge the FIA and the FOM to look into, especially Ross Braun. Because Austria could have been classified as a boring race had the top four not chased each other down the way they did in the last 20 laps. And what Formula One needs is that the variance between the two tyre compounds should be higher. And that would allow different tyre strategies to actually come into play. So in Austria, we had the inconsistent FIA back in action. Kunal, it was very funny because uh, Danny Kivat, he did a torpedo thing again. <laughs> But he only got two penalty points and a drive through penalty. And I remember that Romain Grosjean did something very similar in Spa in 2012. And he got a race ban. Yes, I remember in, in this Tinder age, uh, Romain Grosjean swiped left onto the title contenders in Spa. <laughs> and uh, I wonder if... Uh, Danny Kivat had taken our title contenders, would he have gotten a race ban from the FIA? And I also think that Red Bull Racing might not let him off as leniently as the FIA did. Although Christian Horner said that they want him for 2018. Or so he said. <laughs> <laughs> the other inconsistent act by the FIA, also a very embarrassing act uh, by Formula One, was when Chase Carey was taken out on a demo lap in the 1981 Le Mans winning Porsche. And he actually went onto that lap without a racing helmet. Very strange, no? Yeah, like, I, I what know. are they doing? Yeah, they missed another checks and balances thing, I guess. So Kunal, coming to my favorite part of the episode, the one driver who everyone wants for 2018. Okay, everyone except Mercedes and Ferrari. And that's Fernando Alonso. <laughs> so in fact, on the Ferrari front, Marcioni said that they would not be interested in Alonso, but Alonso insists that Ferrari remains an option for 2018. It's yes, very funny. Very strange and funny. So now the Haas Formula One team has thrown their hat into the ring and they're saying that they have a good car and that could possibly interest Fernando Alonso as well. Let's remember they're on the latest spec of the Ferrari engine. 
And I personally think that given how much in demand Fernando is, he could drive and he should drive a few races for every midfield team next year. So he should do five races for Williams, five races for Haas and so on. And uh, Williams anyway need an older driver for Martini, as we know. That's why they brought Massa back from his shortest retirement ever. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to see what Force India and Alonso could do together. It would be a phenomenal combination. <laughs> the only problem is that Force India will need to make space on their car for the sponsors that Alonso would attract. <laughs> And we know how crowded it is for them there. <laughs> the problem of plenty for Force India as well. Yeah. And Kunal, we know that Gene Haas is American. I'm wondering if Alonso's popularity after his indie run and his popularity with the American audiences is what got Haas interested. Yeah, so if not the speed, at least his personality and his... Uh, interest in the audience. And uh, there's also rumours that Honda could be out to boot uh, Alonso from McLaren. So the battle is on. Can Alonso throw out Honda from McLaren or can Honda throw out Alonso from McLaren? And I'm not sure which way McLaren would benefit, to be honest. <laughs> this is like civil war going on <laughs> down there. <laughs> if Honda throws out Alonso, I think both McLaren and they, they'll be able to save enough money to invest in their car, actually. <laughs> And hey, by the way, Kunal, there's news that Honda might pull out of their engine supply deal with Sauber. And I'm wondering if Honda is thinking of pulling out, out of Formula 1 altogether. Because there's also news that McLaren is in talks with Ferrari for their engines. Uh, frankly, I'm not surprised that there would be no takers for Honda's current power unit. In fact, I, would, I was surprised when Sauber actually signed up with Honda in the first place. Yeah, we made a lot of fun of that. <laughs> this also then means that Sauber will go back or could go back to being a Ferrari B team. Uh, and uh, now that I think of it, had they taken the Honda engines next year, they would have been a Honda C team because uh, right now McLaren is clearly the Honda B team on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> And McLaren and Ferrari, two of the sport's biggest, biggest rivals. Kunal, I will be highly, highly surprised if they join forces. Actually, I'm going to rephrase that. Highly, 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 highly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of what Ross Brown said uh, about the sport wanting to look into how to help new engine manufacturers to find their feet, which is very crucial in this new complex and expensive hybrid era. And see if they can help them to win races by their third year in the sport. Well, if I were Honda then, Kunal, I would be protesting. Because three years in Formula 1 and they are barely finishing races. <laughs> McLaren's fortunes, I think, will also depend on who will power them next year. And this will dictate their driver lineup, obviously. Which reminds me that there was a strange McLaren man, or there is going to be a strange McLaren man driving a Formula 1 car later this month. So, Zach Brown, the CEO, or I can't remember his designation, he is participating in the FIA Masters event and he'll be driving a Formula 1 car. And frankly, Zach, I think you're getting a little too ambitious. You should leave the driving for all the Alonso type of drivers to do for next <laughs> season. <laughs> and... Believe it or not, Zach Brown is not going to be driving a McLaren. He is going to be driving a Williams car. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like even Zach Brown does not want to drive a McLaren. <laughs> <laughs> so the car that he's going to be driving is a 1980 Williams Cosworth car, uh, which Alan Jones won the Silverstone Grand Prix in. 
And uh, we actually have had buzz about the China F1 racing team joining the grid in 2019. Now there's rumors about an Italian F1 team joining the grid. Not by that name, of course. That sounds great. And Kunal, honestly, I'd love to see more cars on track. Just that they should be competitive. <laughs> uh, Ross Brown to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> I also hope that they're going to be innovative in their naming, you know, rather than just Chinese team and Italian team. <laughs> And whatever it is that they'll try, I think uh, the Italian team will always be Italy's B team because it would be impossible to take Ferrari's emotional place in the hearts of the Italian fans. I agree. <laughs> and some really exciting news, the Kubica's return seems 80 to 90% possible. And that's something that Renault and Kubica have said. So basically, they'll be doing a thorough evaluation test sometime soon. And I'm waiting for that. And I can only imagine this. So Renault will do all the evaluation tests and then Ferrari will come and hire Kubica in place of Raikkonen. <laughs> that would be pure evil, but why I not? I think it'll be a brilliant story for the sport. Yeah, like such a coup, right? Kunal, before we move to Silverstone, any final thoughts on Austria? Yes, I'd like to talk about Ferrari. We've been talking of how Kubica or whoever else should replace uh, Raikkonen next season. And Sergio Marchioni actually called Raikkonen a laggard. Which is a bit strange because uh, from the way I see it, Ferrari actually forgot that they had to pit Raikkonen in Austria. And uh, are Ferrari seeking Raikkonen's efforts in closing the gap to Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship? Or are Ferrari seeking Raikkonen's help in helping Sebastian Vettel win his fifth Drivers' Championship? So the answer is of course apparent, but Ferrari should make it clear for Raikkonen and their fans. And honestly, this was very clear that by delaying Raikkonen's pit stop, Ferrari wanted him to slow down Bottas and, you know, help Vettel. Kunal, all I'm going to say is, as a Kimi Raikkonen fan, it's just really upsetting to see Ferrari deal with Raikkonen in this manner, <laughs> in what is possibly his last season in the sport, you know? I, really, I really hope not. And the other positive from Austria was Lance Stroll, and surprising I'm saying that, but I really am beginning to like the guy. And we know that Williams had a double elimination in Q1 and they still managed a double points finish in the race. So now usually had this happened, it would have been Felipe Massa who would have used his experience and his speed to get into the points. And, you know, Lance Stroll would have been languishing somewhere at the bottom. However, in Austria, Lance Stroll also made it to the point scoring finish. And that positions. was a phenomenal drive, actually. And... I think this connects to the talk of momentum that, you know, you keep making. It's really nice to see Lance Stroll settling down in Formula 1. Obviously, it's taken a lot of time and a lot of jokes, but <laughs> I think it's finally happened. So, Kunal, over to Silverstone. Uh, strangely, there are talks that the British Grand Prix might move to another venue post-2019. And I think this is strange because they've decided this week to bring up this matter. This is the... Re this is actually the week leading into the race and now they're talking about how there may not be a race going forward. Yeah, yeah I can't understand the British humour anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> so, Silverstone and Formula 1 have had a troubled financial relationship for the last many decades and there have been bailouts and pullout threats and, uh, you know, however the race has finally prevailed. So, I'm hoping that the same thing comes around this time too. Yeah, and McLaren has suggested that Formula One should purchase Silverstone, the circuit. Unfortunately, Kunal, I don't have too much confidence in McLaren's Formula One decisions these days. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I would advise Formula One to not bother acting on it <laughs> at all. The only silver lining in this dark cloud could be that if Silverstone does go away, there's talk of a road race coming through London, and that could be an exciting prospect as well. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited at the thought of that. Uh, that also reminds me. So Formula One had kept the road promotional drive in London a big, big, big secret until just two days before the event. But good work by Liberty Media again. and getting cars and drivers closer to the fans you know critical thing that they're pulling off so wonderfully yes yeah, so for for the future i'm going to just term such road demonstrations by formula 1 as formula 1 doing what formula e does <laughs> <laughs> i also saw this really interesting airbnb williams promotion so it seems you can actually spend the night in the williams garage at silverstone And that's damn interesting, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't apply for this. We've been it's been in our Silverstone notes ever since. But <laughs> it's so interesting to see teams pushing their monetization of assets to the limits as well. And this is what I absolutely love Formula One for. And at Silverstone, we in fact are also going to see the FIA push the limits of driver safety. So the FIA shield, which you know has been under intense discussions. will be tested it will actually be on a ferrari so do look out for the pictures on our facebook and google plus page in the next couple of days right so time for predictions kunal predictions for the british grand prix i think that ferrari are a little closer to mercedes in austria but they know that they're still doing the chasing and uh, having said that i think it's going to be hammer time in silverstone followed by a sebastian metal and i really hope raikkonen finishes ahead of bottas because he needs a few very strong finishes i'm actually going to agree with you i really think that it's going to be hamilton's time to shine at home in front of the british crowds and this is a circuit he loves so yes he's going to be the man to beat thank you so much for tuning in ladies and gentlemen we'll see you post the silverstone race we absolutely love the month of july because there are three races this season and do remember to subscribe to us on itunes and audio boom for your weekly dose of formula 1 humor Adiós. Wendy's Baconator is the ultimate bacon cheeseburger that puts all other cheeseburgers to cheeseburger shame. And now we're bringing that same big bacon energy to shake up and wake up your breakfast with the Breakfast Baconator, stacked with a fresh cracked egg, sausage, cheese, and bacon. And right now, you can get a free Breakfast Baconator with purchase in the Wendy's app. So get to Wendy's and always be baconating. We got you. offer available at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time during breakfast hours only. Offer must be redeemed via the app. Account registration required.